Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Encounter Church. I feel like I'm missing a fire and a cup of coffee, and this would just make it perfect. For those of you that are here, you can see the boot that's on my leg. For those of you that are maybe listening online, there's a boot on my leg. And I didn't plan on that happening, but we don't plan on life happening this way sometimes, do we? So the story goes, um, yesterday, Rachel was in danger. And I told the boys, I said, listen, you guys really have to stay here and trust your dad and just watch because there's going to be a heroic moment. Why are you laughing? Is that funny to you? Well, thank you. I appreciate it. It's not, it's not funny. Well, so I said, listen, boys, just trust me. Your dad's going to be okay. The truth is a trampling part got the best of me. And Rachel was not in danger at all. Um, and so, yeah, that's just the way it happens sometimes, right? So, yeah, Rachel's not in danger. Uh, she was fine. And I got to the trampoline park yesterday. And I said, you know, I'm a little bit tired. And so I told the boys, hey, you guys go play. Dad's going to watch. Well, there were some other friends there that were like, come on, man. Come on, you're not, you're not old, uh, too old for the trampoline park yet. So they kind of convinced me to, you know, to go get the socks on and go jump with them. And so I did. A friend of mine named John, really good athlete, played uh, football at App State, he was a safety, so he's got some speed on him. And so he goes up. There's three. The one in Watertown, Launch Trampoline Park in Watertown is where we were. So there are three basketball hoops, right? And which one do you think we went after? Yeah. Didn't even give you the three options. You know the biggest one. So John's up there. He put down a mean dunk. And I'm like, I can do this. And so I put down a mean dunk. You're welcome. I wish I had a video of it. Well, then, then he decides to take the ball through the leg and kind of go up and slam really one, you know, one good time. And so I'm like, I can do that. So I did it once, missed it, did it a second time. I hit it. There's no one taking score, but I did hit it. I also landed on my left ankle. So that's what happens sometimes. Note to self, know your age. I've been told that a few times already today. Uh, know your age. I'm like, what do you mean by that? Young people can like snap their legs too, right? And so thankfully I went to the uh, urgent care this morning. It's not broken. I'm very, very grateful for that. So uh, when the doctor says, I'm surprised it's not broken, it's a, a severe sprain, but we need to put you in a boot for a while. I'm very grateful. So, uh, so that's just to set the context, to answer the questions you may have been asking, why is the pastor on crutches today and, and what's going on? Well, well, that certainly is what happened. So welcome to Encounter. We are continuing our series today um, called Relational Vampires. And like it or not, we all have to deal with this one. We have to deal with the emotion of anger. And anger is a relational vampire because it can and will not only suck the life out of you, but out of those that you love the most. And it can and it will and it does destroy relationships all the time. But the reason I say like it or not is because it's an emotion that all of us deal with, don't we? Whether it comes from you or an emotional response that you have or someone around you or someone that you love the most, we all have to deal with the issue of anger. None of us plan on it, but seemingly out of nowhere, it just kind of rises to the surface, sometimes in a conversation, sometimes when you're behind the wheel of a motorized vehicle, imagine that, or sometimes it's because someone said something to you, and that was unexpected. Anger just kind of rises to the surface, no matter if you're verbal or nonverbal, aggressive or passive, an extrovert or an introvert. Some people love to talk. Some people don't like to talk. It doesn't matter who you are, where you are, your personality, your tendencies. We all have to deal with it. Now, it sounds different 
And that, and that literally means sounds different, right? Because some people deal with this issue just internally and let things burrow inside for a long, long time. And some of you today could even say that I'm experiencing from the past, like years and months and hurts of just being angry. And maybe no one knows it. Others of us, you can say, hey, people know when I'm angry, right? Because I immediately get it out. At the snap of a finger, we respond, we say things, right? So like it or not, we have to deal with anger. And often, some of people's biggest life regrets come from the issue of anger and how we deal with it, our, our emotional responses. As a pastor, I get the opportunity, and it really is a privilege, to listen and to speak into people and where they are in their journey. And when I'm listening, it takes a while to get this because most people don't come right out and say, hey, listen, I have an anger problem. In fact, I don't, I don't know that I ever recall someone being so upfront and honest about this problem. It normally takes a while or it takes someone's spouse to say that of them they have an anger problem. Other issues are more tangible. And I say tangible because other issues, hey, man, I, I drink too much. It's quite tangible, right? You have a problem of stopping maybe by the liquor store too often, right, and just drinking too much. And other things are tangible and saying, hey, we have issues that are, that are financial. It's tangible because we have bills and we have no money in the account. But this one's a little bit less tangible, even though for some, not all, you can hear the anger, you can see the anger, but this one's a little bit less tangible because sometimes we burrow it on the inside. So how do we deal with it? One of the questions that I've been thinking about this week is really where does it come from? When I say, where, where does this anger come from? You might be thinking about, for me, here's what makes me angry. I'm just in general, when you think about the idea of anger, there's a couple of places it comes from. Number one, as a Christian and as a church that's a Christian church, we, we believe that all of sin, all of our struggles, all of our life really started in the garden. And that garden is, is, in that garden, we find the story in Genesis of Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve had the boundaries set up by God, the rules, the authority set up by God, but Adam and Eve chose to disobey. And when Adam and Eve chose to disobey, we read from Genesis all throughout the Scripture that the result, the disobedient, of their, the result of their disobedience was that all of man, all men, all women of all time would be born into sin. So in other words, we say, we, you are born into a broken, fallen world where you will make mistakes, even that sweet, precious child that you may be holding, or maybe one of our nursery workers right now, like they were born and destined to just make mistakes, right? In fact, if you remember parenting, some of you in the throes of it right now, you've never had to teach your children disobedience. You spend your time teaching them not to, right? We're just born that way. It is our nature to be fallen, right? In other words, it's our nature to mess up. It's our nature to have a bad attitude. It is our, in our nature to say things that we regret. And even sometimes, even though it sounds contradictory, to say things that we quote-unquote did not mean, right? Even though it came out of you, and it's, a, it's in our nature. And so all of us, no matter where you are, no matter your religious conviction, no matter how young, no matter how old, no matter how much you've gone to church or never been to church in a long, long time, maybe today's your first time, we're all in the same boat, swimming in the same direction. We live in a broken, fallen world with incredible struggle. The second part of what I would say where this comes from is past hurt. So many people deal and have tough stories. In fact, um, as I mentioned earlier, I've had the opportunity to hear from people's journeys. A lot of anger comes from being jaded, 
And it comes from years of hurt, months of hurt. It comes from disappointment. And often the, the emotional tempered response of people is very short, right? Why? Because they've been hurt a lot. Sometimes you run into someone, you're like, damn, what's that guy's problem? Every time you have that thought or maybe you verbalize that, I promise you there's probably a lot. That person is going through a lot, right? Maybe years of hurt and disappointment, and there's a reason that their temper's so short. Most of the time, you can boil it down to their past and ongoing hurt that they're dealing with. The other thing is the current. So not just our fallen nature, that we're born into a world that's, that's broken, we're born into a world that's sin, not just our jaded past, some people are living with and dealing with years of hurt and years of pain, but the current state of your heart says everything about the emotional response too. And I just mean life. If you don't like your job, there's a pretty good chance that your emotional tank is low when you get home, which is going to cause you to respond quicker, which is going to cause you to say things that you should not have said, not just did not mean to say, but it's going to cause us to live and act and be in such a way that causes personal disappointment and disappointment from everyone around us. So be it the past or the present or our fallen nature, the emotional response of anger is something that we all have to deal with. But... There's some justified reasons. Here's a little bit of silver lining. Do you want some silver lining? Yeah, because I'm like, okay, is this all going to be bad news today? No, it's not going to be bad news today. Here's the silver lining. Sometimes this emotion is justified. What I mean, like the emotional response of anger is not always wrong. Sometimes there are justified reasons. In fact, there's a pastor named Tim Keller who ministers in New York City that writes about... um, that how God created every, think about this, God created every human emotion. It was His design, the way we think, the way we feel, the way we process from empathy to sympathy, even to anger, to joy, disappointment, that these are, we are, we are designed and wired by God. In a perfect world, without struggle, without sin, we experience those, that anger of emotion in justified reasons, right? And in an imperfect world, we experience it often in unjustified reasons. But hey, there are many reasons to be justified in your response. One of those being that people are being hurt. The people that you love are being hurt. And maybe even it's you. Sometimes you get angry. You're like, hey, there's a good reason for this anger, and it might not be wrong. It might be very justified. Someone offends someone that you love, or someone offends your child. Someone says something to someone that you love very deeply, and so your emotional response is anger. The last couple of years, um, Rachel and I, my wife, we've been dealing with a difficult season with uh, one of our sons. And, and we've heard uh, the word bullying a lot, right? But we never thought it would actually be us. And so in first grade, second grade, continued in third grade, one of our sons, Josiah, he'd come home and tell us stories and about things that kids would say and we're, we're not necessarily quick to overreact in parenting, or not always. Sometimes I do, sometimes we do. We're not quick to jump on and say, hey, I'm going to call the principal about someone that said something mean to your son. So honestly, we just did very little communication with the school, and we, we just decided to focus on, on helping him. All right, parents, you with me? We cannot protect our children fully, right? And so part of it is just teaching them to deal with life, to deal with mean people, because we all know once you graduate high school, you never have to deal with mean people again. <laughs> and so I say, listen, man, dad, dad deals with mean people. You know, people say things that are unkind to me. And listen, growing up, um, if it weren't for my brother, I would have got beaten up a lot. My brother, his nickname was Stump. That was a good, that was a good nickname. He's a hoss. You know what a hoss means? It just means he's a stump. If you don't know what stump means, it means he was really strong. 
and he played on the football team, and I would often get, hey, man, that's Gene's little brother. You've been out mess with him. I'm like, yeah. Back up. Call me Branch. And really did protect me. And so I had a protection built in with my brother. Gene, if you're listening, I love you. Stump, um, thank you for protecting me. He was, he was one year older than me, and I wasn't Jason. I was Gene's little brother. I was fine with that because they didn't, you know, they didn't bother me as much. And so part of our effort with Josiah, listen, what did they say? I'm sorry that they said that. Forgive, love unconditionally. And I'm telling you what, he has. He's been resilient. Well, the stories just continue, and they continue, and they continue. And so finally, it's like, hey, we, we don't want to, in a sense, be a helicopter parent, right, to j- dive right in and try to solve every problem because we cannot solve every problem. Though parents want to, though parents feel the right to or the need to, to quote-unquote protect. And I did very little communication over the last couple of years, and I do regret that. Well, this year we've learned some things coming to the surface. We decided to make that phone call. Make that phone call to the principal, to the teachers. Make them aware of some things of two particular children that were, um, have been a topic of conversation in our home for three and a half years. And so thankfully, they, they put some things into place. They responded and they said, it's true. He is being targeted. And uh, some things are really rough. And we're sorry for not catching that. We're going to do everything we can to make sure that this stops. And we say, hey, thank you. We're, we're grateful for that. The school has been nothing but a blessing to us. They've been super responsive. We love that school more than we did, right, um, a couple of years ago. And so we, we're very, very grateful. So one day, about a month ago, um, my wife is uh, kind of on the playground in that balmy January day. There's been a few of those recently, right, where we can hang out on the playground in January. And so she's on the playground. She's watching Josiah play. And she sees one of those boys we happen to know the name of. We happen to hear his name in our house. Well, goes up to Josiah and calls him something, expletive, fill in the blank. Use your imagination. Or don't use your imagination. And so guess what happens? Mama Bear came out. Mm, yeah, that's right. You know, and so Mama Bear came out. Let me fast forward to the end of the story. Rachel came home. I said, you said what? <laughs> yeah, you know in movies, you're like, where's this going? Well, I just told you where it was going. Well, well Mama Bear came out, and she said, she ran up to this kid. She put her, put her finger out, and she said, what did you say to my child? Nothing, 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 nothing. I heard you. You said expletive. What did you say to my child? Nothing, nothing, nothing. She said, I never want to hear you say anything to my child again. Is that clear? Yes. No blinking, right? So she comes home, and I'm like, yeah. I never chest bumped my wife, but I kind of wanted to just, <laughs> that's my stump. Don't read into that illustration too much, but I'm like, yeah, that's right. Like, that's just a justified reason. And I, you know, my, you said what? You repeated it? You better believe I did. And so I did get permission from Rachel to say that. But, you know, go up to Rachel, what did you say? Don't ask her, right? And so, listen, sometimes there are justified reasons for it. Even a month ago, I kind of felt really bad for this. I'm like, God, should I ask forgiveness for this? I was going through an airport line. I was in Dallas-Fort Worth. And one of the TSA workers was just yelling out, like, um, there was a sign that says, do not proceed, right? You kind of wait for your turn to be called, and you go through the TSA airport. You put your phone down or your boarding pass. They scan it, and they say, hey, Mr. Hodges, even though I did get called Jason Statham uh, when I was going through the airport, it made me feel really good because I had a little bit of a beard, but then my wife made me shave it. I'm like, I just got called Jason Statham. Let me keep the beard. That's another story. You're going to Google image Jason Statham and be like, yeah or no, not really. I just wish I had his muscles. Anyways, let me get back to my message. Um, 
So I saw the sign that said, do not proceed. Well, the, uh, the, the worker was being super sarcastic, like super loud and, you know, kind of making fun and poking jest. In fact, the word sarcasm in Greek means poking at the flesh, like literally. And you, you sometimes, sometimes sarcasm is humorous. Sometimes it's like, please stop. Like, you right? Anybody? Yeah? Okay. Sometimes sarcasm, to me, sarcasm lasts about 10 seconds. When it goes to 20 seconds, I'm like, please, okay, no one thinks you're funny anymore. They're laughing because they don't want to make you feel bad. Well, this person, I don't even want to get into what, oh, everything that they were saying, but they were just like yelling at everyone, talking about the water that you probably have in your back pocket. Everyone's super annoyed at this person, all right? And so I said, probably some of you can't read. I remember that one because um, we put something over the sign that says, please wait here, but you decide not to. Everyone's super annoyed having a bad day. So guess what? I decided to set it straight. Only my wife laughed first because she knows what I said. I, you know how you just recognize your children's voice? That was my wife laughing at me. She's like, yay, dude. Now I'm stumped, right? So I went up to that person and I said, excuse me. I just want to make you aware. You have upset everyone within the realm of your voice. You are being super sarcastic with everyone. And if you would stop, I think everyone would have a great day. So I, you might be having a great day. I would not be having a good day. But I, can I just ask you not to say any of those things anymore? She goes, yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I didn't know if I was going to get a fight and not make my flight. But I just, something in me says you are wronging everyone. I know that's not right. Please don't do what I did. I'm just a pastor, okay? Don't follow my example. Like, I'm just saying, but then sometimes we have these justified reasons for like saying, hey, don't do that, right? Some of those shows, those hidden cameras, watching people like intentionally do things wrong to see if anyone in the restaurant would like speak up. I so want to be in that restaurant, right? Because I do want to take matters into, into my own hands sometimes, but I'm not saying that that's right because we, should, we shouldn't do that, even though my wife did what was right. I don't think I did what was right. But how do we typically deal with this? Because there are justified reasons and then unjustified reasons. And some of those unjustified reasons, honestly, they're silly, aren't they? The unjustified reasons of, of being angry and, and overreacting. The unjustified reasons of clothes not, quote unquote, being done or never being done. The unjustified reasons of like maybe getting home and maybe it's dirty or not having dinner on the table. Or the unjustified reasons of, here it is, just not getting your way. There's so many unjustified reasons that we get angry. And those are when we get sometimes 10 minutes later, sometimes 10 seconds later, I'm like, oh, I overreacted. You kind of feel bad. And the unjustified reasons, I know those are the ones that we wish we could stop. Even though I'm still 50-50 on the TSA worker, I doubt she was sarcastic the rest of the day. Um, and maybe she started over the next day. And I know I probably wasn't sensitive to like maybe her years of hurt and pain. Well, there's a reason that she's sar super sarcastic. And anyways, I, I'm so glad I did it. That's just a confession. But so here, how do we deal with anger? There's four things that we typically do. Number one, we justify it, don't we? I am angry because either, either it was deserved or not deserved, we justify it. That's the first and quickest go-to that we say, hey, here's why I am angry. I am angry because, and it's when you come home and you say, hey, let me tell you what happened today, right? I am angry because we justify it in our minds. It's so easy to make the wrong of our emotional response right because of the way we see it. The second thing we like to do is we like to blame, right? We blame someone else. You won't believe what happened to me, right? I was hurt, so I'm going to make that hurt right by, by responding, right? So we blame someone else. And in the cases of sometimes people hurting, people hurting you, and sometimes maybe you have heard people looked at you and said, it's your fault. Like they blame you for their emotional response. Or I wouldn't be upset if you did not say. 
I would not be upset if it were not for. And the third thing that we like to do is overreact, right? And this is the one that we don't choose. This is when we don't have a filter. We simply overreact. Unfortunately, the emotional response goes from the heart to the head and way beyond it in the snap of a finger, and we overreact. We yell, or maybe we overreact by just leaving the house, right, and everything in between. And I say leaving the house, I just mean being passive, having the whatever attitude, right? So we overreact. Someone said something that should not send you to drive around the neighborhood for an hour, but you did. Someone said something to you that maybe should have upset you, but instead of dealing with it, we overreact. The overreaction comes in so many different ways. The final thing that we do is we take revenge. Probably the worst one of what we do is taking revenge. It's saying, you hurt me, therefore I will hurt you. Sometimes this is passive. Sometimes it's aggressive, right? Sometimes it's immediate. We immediately respond and want to hurt someone else. And, and at other times, it's kind of like a poke in the flesh, right? Almost like how sarcasm sometimes feel. I don't know you, but I'm going to kind of poke the flesh a little bit, just lightly, right? Maybe a little bit of humor, but a little bit of seriousness in there. But we can tend to take revenge. I was playing church softball one time. Thank you for listening to my confession stories today. I'm like, hey, I got plenty of examples of this, this sermon series because of my own personal issues with it. From, the te- well, from growing up to the teenage years to being an adult, I'm guilty. I'm guilty of overreacting. I'm guilty of justifying it. I'm, I'm, I'm guilty um, of blaming, and I'm guilty for taking revenge. I was playing church softball once, and I don't know if you've ever been around church sports, there's like a blessing and a not-so-blessing. I hate to say curse. So it's like, you know, you get, you get everybody around. I grew up playing church softball, and they're like, hey, all right, everybody come to the pitcher's mound. Everybody runs to the pitcher's mound. Everybody's got a smile on their, their face before the game. Everybody's smiling. And I remember the coach growing up always saying, or like someone, maybe the umpire, or maybe that pastor of one of those churches, or saying, hey, we're just out here to have a good time. In the back of my mind, I'm like, I ain't out here to have a good time. I don't play a good, somebody give me an amen after I say this. I'm not, I don't play a game to have a good time. I play to win. Anybody? Amen. Thank you. Yes. I mean, give me that trophy even if I lose, but I, I don't, I'm not out here to have a good, I will have a good time, but I'm not out here to have a good time. So fast forward years later, I was uh, coaching in one, in one of these leagues, and so I always started the game with, hey guys, we're not out here to have a good time. <laughs> and they would look at you like, that's not a Christian thing to say. I say, I'm out here to win, and somebody's going to lose. Now, I didn't say that part, but I did say, hey, we're out here to win, but let's, let's do so whether we win or whether we lose. Let's do so with a good attitude, right? Let's do so with a good attitude. Well, one, one of those games, there was a guy that was just running his mouth. I'm like, you can't do this. this we're not playing for the championship, and so I played first base, and so he's running his mouth the whole time. Even though you can't steal a, a base in church softball, he's like leading off the bag. So I went over to, quote, unquote, protect the bag. And then I accidentally put my cleats on his ankle. <laughs> I, it's funny. You're supposed to laugh. You're not supposed to, you're not supposed to judge me. But I remember doing, in that, in that moment, I'm like, that, I, I was a pastor then too. I, but I, and he looked at me like, dude, lay off my ankle. I was like, dude, I'm so sorry I didn't see you. I said, man, I'm so sorry. Man, I can lie really well. He said, man, that's all right. I was like, you deserve it. But like, that's the craziness in us. Like, I say that story because you can relate to those silly moments, even though that was kind of like a trivial moment. I not only, like, 
took revenge, but I lied to his face. I didn't want to get into a fight, so I took the, the lesser of two evils, right? And so I just tell the guy, I'm like, listen, man, I'm sorry. <laughs> I got the team. We lost that game. I think that was God's curse. That was God's curse. We, we just lost that game. I got everybody together. I was like, guys, I feel bad about something. And I told them I was supposed to say, like, I'm sorry for doing that, man. They were like, dude, way to go, man. Well, that's kind of the world we live in, right? I have a, uh, but what, what does this result in? We can laugh about it, but we can also feel the weight and the seriousness of, of anger and how it destroys, right? It destroys. Even, any of those scenarios I just told you, any of the scenarios that come up in your mind, you can think of, hey, it's serious, and it's an issue in all of us. It might look, no, Siri, I'm not talking to you. This always happens to me, even though I just said ser- serious. Siri's starting to talk to me. So the, ser- the seriousness of what we deal with in anger uh, can lead to life or death. We either deal with it well or it can ruin us. Anger causes us to not only say things but to do things that we regret. Pastor Craig Groeschel says, when emotions are high, wisdom is low. Right? Think about that. When emotions are high, wisdom is low. And I I guarantee you, you've had an emotional high this past week that was not good. And in that moment, humans have a lack of a capability to process well. When you're tired, right? When you're hungry, sometimes people call that hangry, right? Or when you're upset, whether, whether it be a justified or an unjustified reason, when emotions are high, wisdom is low. Second thing, other than causing it to, to, to make us say things and do things that we regret, is losing trust in those we love. That's what anger does. Even if it's justified, even if you feel right in, in the response, it causes us to lose trust. Why? Because of the things that we say and the, that we do that we regret. We lose trust in those we love. And ultimately, it causes us to make the relationship broken. Not impossible, never impossible to mend back, but hardly. Very, very, very difficult to mend the walls of the brokenness that anger causes. There's a proverb that I want to sit in for a few moments, and it'll be on the screen. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 32. Even the word proverb means wise saying. Recorded by King Solomon. King Solomon says, better a patient person than a warrior. One with self-control than one who takes a city. Think about that. We'll leave that up on the screen for just a few moments. Better a patient person than a warrior. So we're driving down the road last night. I said, boys, I got a question for you. Some of our Bible moments are sort of random and not planned. We'll read the Bible um, uh, in the morning before school. And, uh, but this is kind of unplanned. Some of those are the best times, right? I said, hey, boys, I got a question for you. I'm kind of reflecting on this proverb on the way to our great night at the trampoline park. And I said, hey, boys, I got a question for you. Would you rather have a patient person or a warrior? And they both responded quickly. What do you think they said? Yeah, they should have said warrior, but they didn't. My kids are too wise. They said, I'll take the patient person. Me too. I'm like, what? You're supposed to say warrior for my illustration tomorrow. But they didn't. I said, really? Why, why do you want a patient person? Oh, what they said was really good. And Rachel probably remembers that. What they said was good. Josiah said, well, a warrior can hurt you. I said, yeah. And I said, well, 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 Levi, what do, you, what do you think? Why would you take a patient person rather than a warrior? He said, oh, a, a, a warrior's scary. 
And I think that's the idea here is that when you have a warrior, you kind of think about someone who's fighting, right? Someone who makes things just. And that's what a warrior does. A warrior fights for, for their people. Not, and so a warrior causes damage because that's what they were intended to do. A warrior is out not just for protection, but for hurting others that are causing the protection or the misprotection, right? And so when you think about the power of a warrior, both, both of them said patience. I'm like, all right, that's great, good. Now you expect a seven and a nine-year-old boy to take the warrior, not a patient person. But, but the Bible says it's better to be patient than to have a warrior on your side. And what that translates into is self-control versus one who conquers. Because if you're like me, when you get angry, you're ready to conquer, aren't you? You're ready to set things straight. You're ready to step on the ankles in church softball. You're ready to tell the TSA, TSA employee to stop speaking today, right? Anger causes you to get up in someone's face and try to make things right. And some of those are justified, some of those are not justified, right? But anger causes this emotional response that is super, super damaging and super, super dangerous to you and dangerous to the ones that you love the most. So the question is, how do we deal with it? How do you deal with it? I've had those moments like you where, where I say, man, I shouldn't have said that. I should have taken some more time. I've had those moments of prayer where I'm like, Lord, give me better patience. Even walk away from that TSA employee, I, I felt really, really bad in my heart, but really good in my heart. I'm like, Lord, they were hurting. I didn't have time to say what's wrong. I didn't have time to, like, I, there's just so much that I'm wrestling with. Like, Lord, give me patience. Help Help me to be that, that man that exhibits self-control, the husband that does, the father that does, the church softball player that does. I don't like church sports anymore. If you want to play pickup somewhere, don't call me. Or maybe just keep me on your team, right? And I'm not even a good athlete, right? But I just, sometimes it gets the best of us. Well, what do we do about it? And you, you're probably wondering the same thing. How do I deal with it? What steps can I take? And so to wrap up today, I have five things that will be on your screen. And I want you to think about, and I want you to go, I want you to do them, and I want you to write them down. I don't care where you write them down, but like write them somewhere so that you remember them, and even memorize these five, because when in the moment of anger, in the moment of response, you have to take this road. You have to take this road. Now, the problem is in the emotional response, you're not like, hey, give me a second. Let me remember the sermon that I heard six months ago. What do I do? Because we just respond without thinking, right? That's part of the problem. We don't have processing time. So you have to train your brain on what you're going to do when it happens. When it happens, I will. Here's the first thing. Number one says, receive the infliction without saying anything. Everybody say, yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> some of you said, yeah, right. It's hard, isn't it? Now, here's why I say infliction. Let's think about this. The word patience can also be translated because of uh, Bible Greek and actually even Hebrew, the original language that, this, that these words were written in as long-suffering. The best English translation for the word patience is to suffer a long time. Someone that's patient has had something happen to them that deserves anger. Do you hear that? Listen. Someone that is patient has had something happen to them that deserves anger, meaning it deserves an emotional response of justification or making things right. If there's no requirement for patience, there's probably no offense. And so in the moment, the encouragement and the challenge is to receive the pain. 
Someone that's patient suffers a long time. Many of you can relate to, hey, I've been dealing with this for years. I've been suffering. Sometimes we suffer well, and other times we don't. In fact, yesterday, I was really angry. I'm like, go figure. I fall, bust this ankle, and I'm training for a race coming up in a few weeks. I'm like, man, this is going to set me off. These are the injuries that, that I can't imagine those athletes that get injured on the field. When you're watching TV and they go down, the emotional response that happens, it's not, it's anger, right? They just got to be upset. Like, man, I work hard to, to stay in shape. And look, this happens to me. For them, not for me, right? For them, it's, there's, there's career implications. There's family implications, right? So the moment I fall, I'm like, man, go figure. I said I wasn't going to do this because I didn't want to get injured. And then I get injured. And so I'm angry. I, there weren't a lot of people around. I felt like just hitting the table, you know? It was like, come on, why does this have to happen? To, re- to be patient is to receive the pain. And the first recommendation without saying anything. Receive the pain without saying anything. Number two is to receive the infliction without showing a poor attitude. Everybody say, yeah, right. It's hard. I know it's hard. Receive the infliction. Receive the pain without having a poor attitude because it's so easy to say things and to have a poor attitude. Receive the pain without having a poor attitude. The number three is this. Think more about what the other person is going through than what you are especially when it comes to dealing with issues of, of being angry towards those that, are, those that are in your family or those that you're responding to, if you can discipline yourself to understand their side of the story, you can discipline yourself to remove yourself from your own emotions and jump into someone else's. And so last night, that's why I said, hey, this is nothing, right? I'm going to be okay. In, in a few weeks. I'm going to be okay in a few months. This, uh, my career does not hinge on my ankle, right? Putting things into, into, in, into perspective. There are many people going through way, way, way worse. In fact, it would be silly even to compare a bum ankle to what people are going through physically, right? Not even a comparison. When you think about what someone else is going through and you think about how they have been offended, you can remove yourself from your own emotions and jump into theirs and say, you know what? They're really hurt right now, Right? They're really frustrated. They're really tired. If I think more of that about their tiresome rather than mine, it's going to be way easier for you to respond in a better way. The fourth thing is this. Take ownership of your anger. Take ownership of it. And this is jumping back a few moments ago when I said you can't spend time dealing with this by blaming someone else or justifying someone else. So that's what we want to do. That's what I want to do, right? You have to take ownership of it. In fact, sometimes when I'm behind the wheel, I'm like, someone needs to, this whole world needs to go to Jason's driving school. If everyone drove like me, we'd be fine, right? I mean, I use my blinker all the time the right way, right? And kind of when I let someone in, if I let someone in, somehow they're mad. If I don't let someone in, I mean, they get mad, right? Like, you can't, you can't win sometimes in driving. Anybody? Yeah? Not just me? You're like, listen, I'm trying to obey the rules, man. And you, I, I, my favorite is when someone right behind you beeps at you, like, come on, go. I'm like, bro, I got cars in front of me. I feel like getting out of the parking lot, not stepping on their, getting out the car, not stepping on their ankles, of course. But I feel like saying, hey, can we talk about the car in front of me? What, what do you think I should do? What do you think I should do? What? What do you, no, really, let's talk about it. I don't think that's going to go well. 
I have never done that. In fact, you know, I told you to think about these things. Like when you get angry, I have told myself, Jason, you will never get out the car angry. <laughs> yeah. Hey, if you need a ride somewhere, don't call me. All right, Jermaine, don't call me, man. Don't call me. Don't call me. All right. Take ownership. Here's how you take ownership. It's my fault. That's how you take ownership. I am angry, and I responded poorly, right? Everybody say this. I responded. Yeah. I'm just, I was, that's not right of me. Take ownership of it. You know, it's not anyone else's fault that I am angry. Because people are always going to drive unlike me. I didn't say it the wrong way. I'm trying to be realistic about this. People are always going to drive different than me, right? And I'm going to upset people. And so I've said, hey, I, 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 when, when people peep at me, I'm going to say they must be having a bad day. In fact, one of my sermons I dislike the most from our pastor, I don't have any other ones I dislike. I just remember him giving this really practical, helpful tip from, from Chris. It was probably about a year ago. Talked about how you, you know, if you want to practice patience, Choose the longest line at Wegmans and stand in that one. I, I hated that sermon because I do it. I'm like, oh, I'm going to hurry. I'm going to choose the longest line. If you want to practice patience, get behind the slowest car. I hate that sermon. Chris, I love all your sermons. If you're listening today, he's speaking at one of our sister churches. Um, thank you for that sermon. Like, I practice it. And so I've said, hey, listen, no matter what happens, it's my responsibility my responsibility. Take ownership of your anger. Number five is give yourself time. This is what you need. Be able to walk around the house, around the block, depending on your emotional response, around the city, around the county. Do what you have to do. <laughs> Some of you laugh. That's pretty good. Walk around the county. You'll be back in a few weeks. Um, it's a big county, a lot of people, a lot of traffic. If you give yourself time, man, how things change. Have you ever slept on it? And woken up in the next morning and going, you know, it's not that bad. Have you ever slept on it? And even though there's something you wanted to say, you decided not to. Man, time, rest, refuel. It gives the heart and the brain so much freshness. And you need that. Receive the infliction without saying anything. Receive the infliction without a poor attitude. Think more about what the other person is going through than what you are. Take ownership of your anger. Confess where you're wrong and give yourself time. Jesus, he did this. Jesus Christ did this for you. When he was thinking more about you than he was himself, Jesus came to be born. And Jesus lived a sinless life. And when he chose to give up himself and to die on the cross, he was not in the wrong. But Jesus decided to receive the infliction. Jesus decided to receive the pain. Jesus decided to say, you know what? I love them. And when he said, I, I love them, he's talking about the world. The Bible says, for Jesus, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in Jesus can have eternal life. And so when Jesus came to die on the cross, it was to offer forgiveness. If Jesus was thinking more about himself than he was you, he would not have done this act for us. The longest lasting organization in the history of the planet is called the church. You know why? Because starting with Jesus 2,000 years ago, he died. And his death was characterized as patient. That God is patient with you. He has suffered a long time for you. And he suffered for you because he loves you. That Jesus is our ultimate example. And the Bible says if anyone would believe in Jesus, then he can be saved. And some of you want, being, you want 
You want being saved from your anger, right? There's something way better and way bigger than being saved from your anger, and it's being saved from your sin, from all of it, from all of our struggle, right? And so those of you that have faith in Christ, I know that some of you can say, I have, I have a relationship with Christ, and I've been following Christ for some time, and, and, I, and I, I have been forgiven. And some of you may be exploring and, and, and thinking of faith for a fresh way and a fresh time. I want to tell you, Jesus died for you. And the Bible says that you can have salvation, eternal life in Him, if you would confess that you're a sin, sinner and follow Jesus with your life. That Jesus not only set us free from the penalty of anger, but Jesus set us free from the penalty of all of our struggle, all of our sin, in all of our lives. No matter what's happened in the past, no matter what happens in the future, you can be forgiven. So like Jesus, receive the infliction with pain and suffer well. Think more about the other person than what you are going through and things will be different. And if you have to walk around the county, do whatever it takes to give yourself time. Let's pray.